Welcome to Growth Mindset University. My name is Jordan Paris, 21-year-old author and host of this show. And with this show, you and I will embark on a journey to learn the things that we should have learned in school but did not, so that we may take control of our lives while fulfilling our visions of success. Each episode will feature a brand new lesson, and now it's time for today's lesson. So put your thinking cap on because school is now in session. Before we get into it today, make sure that you are subscribed to the show, Growth Mindset University, wherever you are listening to this podcast. Everything we do here is to help you, to help you learn so that you can do all that you were created to do, so that you can maximize your potential and who you are. As cliche as that sounds, we have interviews with New York Times bestselling authors and really just the most successful people in the world every single week, two times a week, we have those interviews. So we don't want you to miss it. Make sure you go do that. And now without further ado, please enjoy the show. My guest today is a returning guest. His name is Don Wetrick. Don is the founder of Start Ed Up, a company focused on developing future-ready kids and not just good test takers. He's the author of Pure Genius, and he taught a class called Innovation and Open Source Learning at Noblesville High School in Indiana. Don is known for his award-winning work as a middle school and high school teacher, educational and innovation consultant, and educational speaker being featured in several major media publications like Forbes along the way. He's talked with Gary Vaynerchuk, Seth Godin, Robert Greene, and Alex Benayan on his Start Ed Up podcast to talk about the noble cause of education. Here he is, the man who is transforming students into young entrepreneurs, my education superhero, Don Wetrick. Don, welcome once again. Thanks, man. I don't know if you should make like a like a comparison to another podcast, but very Tom Bilyeu of you <laughs> to have such a wonderful introduction. That's, uh, yeah, man. Kudos. Well, it's, well, it's funny because you were on, uh, you, you were on the first version of Tom's Inside show, Quest. Inside Quest, yeah. right. And I, yes, I did watch that a while ago before our first interview together. So, Don, people can find you on startedupinnovation.com. Mm-hmm. Pure Genius, the book, they can get it on Amazon. The Started Up podcast, which I highly recommend. Some of my favorite episodes were with Alex Benayan, and there's talks uh, off the air that we talked about. There's a rumor that he may come back on the show. Uh, episode with Robert Green. episode with uh, Gary Vaynerchuk was my favorite for sure. Uh, I highly recommend those. Uh, Can, episode two with Jeff Hoffman. Got it. My favorite. Uh, I, I've not listened to that one. I'm going to have to yeah. go back and listen to that one. Yeah, he co-founded uh, Priceline, and oh, it was it's uh, nuts. It's it's still I think my favorite. Awesome. And then people can enroll in Future Ready U at futurereadyu.com. Don, what's the purpose of Future Ready U? So the number one, actually, this is kind of a Gary Vaynerchuk thing. And the reason why we started the foundation, which, by the way, startedupfoundation.org is my new favorite site. Um, but no, in talking to Gary, um, which there was two trips out there, that is its own podcast. I should tell you about that sometime. Uh, but on the way out, we you know got done press and record. And he's like, in his Gary way, he's like, why the F are you trying to change education? All right, no help education. And I'm like, well, it's worth saving. He's like, in some ways it needs to crash and burn. And he says, for instance, he says, um, your innovation and open source learning class, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he's like, you know, if, if my son were a sophomore, could you actually get that class implemented before he graduated? And then I kind of thought about him, like the average school usually takes two years to make that decision. He goes, see, see, he said, so if you're working with juniors and seniors, just telling them, well, they're screwed. And he says, what you need to do is you, you need to take it basically to the, to the families themselves. 
He says a school, you know, to, to turn an aircraft carrier around metaphorically takes a long time. You can't turn things around, but you can put things out. And so that's when we started doing things uh, for families. And then what we do at the foundation, we do these monthly events, get our students outside of the school building and collaborating and making pitches. So, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not giving all the credit to Gary because we'd actually started a little bit that before he said that. But it was kind of a call to arms of in the meantime of you trying to get your class implemented in more schools, how about you take it s- straight to market? So, Well, since we've last talked, Dine, you are no longer a school teacher anymore. After this past year, you're now on a new journey uh, with started up full time now, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Tell, so tell us about the thought process in leaving your high school teaching job that you were there for how many years? Uh, as a high school teacher, 21 even though I only look 30. Um, I know. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no. So basically, um, <clears throat> the state uh, of Indiana had taken notice of some of the things we had done. And so uh, there's kind of an economic group, uh, the IEDC, which Indiana Economic Development Corp. And um, they approached us and said, how can we replicate what you're doing? And... And with the caveat of like, you don't have to go into schools because they, I, you know, they had seen a little bit what we do. And, and again, for like full description, our events, which is kind of what they wanted us to replicate all over the state, the first 15, 20 minutes, students, kind of students like you, Jordan, come in as high schoolers and the first 15, 20 minutes are pizza and Pepsi, right? No, by the way, we never charge. And so they come in and, hey, I go to West. Oh, that's cool. I go to so-and-so high school. Oh, nice to meet you. Then our guest of the evening was either a small startup or a local nonprofit. My favorite being the, like, the small nonprofit. They normally have a staff of three people, right? And so they, they do a reverse. Like, you know, they do a pitch deck and say, okay, here's what we are. Here's what we do. And here's our big ask. You know, sometimes it's lack of funding or awareness or a logistics problem. And so we're like, we need your help. So the students would get into teams of seven to 10. Uh, we were averaging anywhere between 30 on a bad weather night to 65, 70 on a good one. And so they would get into teams. Normally we host these at co-working spaces. So there's usually whiteboards galore. They go branch out. They have 40 minutes to come up with a solution. Then they come back and they make their four minute pitch. And it's freaking wonderful. Jordan, the gold standard is when you can have a bunch of kids who rarely pick up their phone, maybe to do some research. They're yes anding, they're whiteboarding their ass off, they're getting into it, and here's my favorite part, it's not theoretical bullshit. Because at the end of the night, when whoever, like, you know, they they all make their pitches, and a lot of times, like, when each group goes, they're like, sometimes they're even amalgamating, like, okay, pitch number one was cool, but pitch number three, if you guys kind of combine those efforts, they can do X, Y, and Z. But the end, the, the nonprofit goes, I liked team four the best. We give them 500 bucks. So we raise money to give away and, and to, to not show the kids that like, oh, cool idea, bro. Now go home, like go implement that. And sometimes the, the students are, are hired, you know, Hey, you know, our operating budget is nothing, but you know, we'll give you high school credit or, you know, this will be a cool resume builder or whatever. And so those events we do once a month at least, and the community loves it. It's for the co-working spaces, these students are potential clients in what, two to three years. So it's a, it's a total builder. I love it. Um, we're growing. We're now in five cities with a waiting list of quite literally, uh, another eight that we're trying to get to ASAP. But, um, it, it's, it, it was backed by the IEDC. And so we started off and, you know, unfortunately I cannot talk about it, but there is a large tech company that also backed us, uh, and they gave us a nice runway. So Great. yeah, that, that took, <laughs> I hate to be on an entrepreneur show and say that took the risk out of it, but I'm 47 years old and have three kids. So it took the risk out of it. And so, um, I was kind of doing both duties. And then finally it occurred to me, I'm either going to be a good teacher running a bad foundation or I'm going to be a bad teacher running a good foundation. You cannot be master of two things. Hmm. So as the year wound down, I'm like, I can't keep doing this because I was still giving it my all to my students. And uh, I realized that my classroom now is the rest of the world. And I had to focus on that. So stepped away. 
Well, in our last conversation, we did talk about that class. We did talk about a lot of you know the reasons behind that class and really the the problems with education. And I, I had the assumption, Don, that we talked a lot more problem and less solution than we actually did. But I listened back this week and I was, I was like, you know what? We weren't that negative. <laughs> but uh, by the way, that conversation, jordanparis.com slash EP76 for our first episode together for people wondering, uh, what, what does the future of education look like and how should we be preparing kids for it now what are you aiming to do so there's a couple of rabbit holes i want to go down a lot of times the the answer that people are talking about is that this this everything's going to be automated we'll do it from our computer screen at home i disagree with that just because the human condition is we long to be together so then the next logical answer is, well, may, there may be some things that you can do from home and you can definitely do more personalized learning from a computer screen, maybe at school, but there has to be time to collaborate and that time to collaborate. And I'm not trying to flex on you, but the most common sense thing is our innovation and open source learning class. I know we talked about it on the what does collaboration look like there? What you want it to be. Like, like I, every time people say, you know what they should teach in school and they usually go over like personal finance or new emerging tech school uh, skills or, you know, several other, like there's a ton of things that people bring up. Well, they're like the catch all of that is an innovation open source learning class. And even though we talked on your last episode, basically what this class is, it's seven to eight weeks of you understanding how to reframe problems, how for you to whiteboard and create solutions, how do you to rapid prototype, you know, the stuff that you and I live off of, right? That takes about seven to eight weeks to get those juices flowing and understand the open source learning part of it is collaborate with other people that are outside of me. A kid comes up to me and says, Hey, I want to build, you know, something on, I want to use Python. I don't, okay. I don't do that, but I know a lot of people that do. So open source it. Get on Skype and learn with them or hell, have them drive in and work with them. Learn from the people who have been there and done that. And right. Because I know that you know this one that drives me nuts with people like, well, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I'm like, you're damn right. Well, I don't have a verified Twitter account. I didn't either. Because the people that want to dismiss what we've done is where I get chippy because they're like, oh, oh. Because, I mean, every now and then, yeah, I flex. Like, it was pretty damn cool that Tim Ferriss spent two hours with our students. Pretty damn pretty cool. cool. Pretty damn yeah. cool. So people are like, oh, well, like, not anybody could do that. I'm like, we asked. Well, you got a verified Twitter account. I didn't three years ago. So huh. doing things like this, and by the way, those people... Like Ferris, those guys, they're enamored that this class exists. So they're like, yeah, man, how, sure, how can I help? So by having an innovation open source learning class, I think it's the catch-all. If you want to learn some online and have more personalized learning, fine. But at some point, you need to get together, which ironically enough, because if I don't say this, you're going to get mail from homeschool people. This is what homeschool networks are about. To, I mean, with some degree of difference, sometimes they're not quite as innovative in some areas, but a lot of times homeschool kids are like, they'll learn from home and then they get together in co-ops because the human condition is still the human condition. People want to work together. So this whole, we're all going to go online I, all the time. I don't believe it. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's good for mental health, but I do think it'd be pretty killer to get some of the basics, maybe online, but to also go to school and I'm going to go all Seth Godin on you and to do th two things, solve interesting problems and create leadership. That's it. Yeah. I I'm not interested in the whole online learning solution at all. I, I, I think that could be... Because uh, I think that the okay, we're, if we're doing that, then we're taking away the only good thing about a campus, right? Which is yes. which is the collaboration and meeting people, and uh, that's that's been the for me in my three years now in college, it's been the only valuable thing. And to I cannot imagine not having that uh, and just going through the motions of these cookie cutter classes. Oh, dude. That Right. That wouldn't be good. <laughs> You're bringing up a point that is making my mind explode. What is it, Don? Is that so many universities want to go online only because it's so uh, cost effective. Of course. Probably. And so this, this game 
of a piece of paper equals experience does not equal out. So I would rage against that machine because like, look, I understand if you're a busy working adult and you want to take online classes, I get it. I do. I do. But for them just to say, here's a piece of paper. Now you have, you know, the wizard's permission. Uh, don't, if you're young and you do want to, like, if you don't want to go to college, that's cool too. But if you do want to go, I totally agree, Jordan, that experience and that, you know, going to the quad and kicking the hacky around and coming up some, you know, cool ideas is huge. Just doing things online is artificial. Absolutely. It's in the same way with the degree meaning something, people think, and I've learned this over the past I want to say six months where I've kind of realized this. I used to think that a verified badge was like, oh my God, right? <laughs> it was like, is everything, but it's not. And, and sometimes it's even an indicator of, of like, they're trying too hard. Now, mm-hmm. now Don, I know you have one, but it's, I, I you know, it's not always indicative. I, I, obviously I'm just like, yeah, I'm just generalizing here and, and picking out a few. Uh, th- there's just a couple of people that come to mind for me uh, that 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 are, that are that they got it because they tried really hard. Um, <laughs> yeah, and they're kind of just scammers in real life. <laughs> oh, and we both know some people that would sell like they'll do it on your behalf. Sell the ver- yeah, sell the verify badge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I I've been offered it many times. Uh, what was the what was the price? It was. Gosh, I think it was this guy came to me. He's like $4,500 for Facebook and Instagram verified badges, but I'll do it for you for 25. <laughs> right. And then, and then there's like, I found this Instagram page once. I don't even know how I found it that uh, claims to be selling verified badges. You just got to, you just got to text this WhatsApp number. <laughs> oh, that's right. sketchy. No. <laughs> so it's, it's funny that it's not, it's not always as it seems the, the, the certification, the piece of paper, the verified badge, I would look past the surface and uh, past that and, and understand it for, understand the person for who they are, understand the person's experience for what it is. Uh, your class though, I am curious, is it still continuing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Who's taking over? Uh, A teacher who actually volunteered a lot at our events. Um, So he was already in the building and already knows uh, the students. And quite frankly, uh, liked by a lot of the students anyway. So yeah, it's, it's, it's still on. Great. Great. Now, I mean, in your 21 years teaching, uh, who was your favorite student. I'm going to make you pick favorites here. Was it, was it Mr. Jeremy Miller? Who's a future guest on the podcast or what, was he even a student? Of no. Yours? And yes. He wasn't. <laughs> so yes and no. uh, I found, uh, so we got, we got introduced to each other and he was a senior in high school and, and he was like, where was your class? <laughs> where was your class? And so we've been close ever since. And so, before he graduated, we spent a lot of time with each other and, and stuff like that. So sometimes I, I, I call him a protege, but uh, no, he would have been one of my best. I, I, I hate to say this. And oh, okay. Ju- maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll make it, make it less like picking favorites with a person. What's your favorite project? Because you, 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 make, you make students into entrepreneurs and like people take the things mm. that they do in the classroom and bring it outside of the classroom and make a real business out of it. Uh, we've seen it time and again. What's your, what, what's your favorite project? I, I'm going to say the, it was born out of the class. And then, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because it then went through a lifespan of highs and lows and it ended up dying. Brad Wolf. So gosh, I guess I just named names Brad and then, and then Hunter, who was one of my co-founders, he basically oh, yeah. started a project in the class where they did art and voiceover work and they put stories on YouTube and which if you're doing in your head is a huge copyright violation. And so they started getting ton. I mean, lots of views because, um, you know, they were doing the artwork of the book and they were reading it out loud. So of course it's going to do well. 
you know? And so eventually YouTube pulls most of their stuff, but they're like, we're on to something here. Cause like Brad wanted to do it because some of his favorite books weren't on audible and that was his solution. And so he graduates, but he immediately goes into entrepreneur mode and they called themselves the storybook factory one and raised capital and start doing like original artwork with new upcoming authors. So they were going in and professionally recording all the voiceovers. Um, and then they turned it into a software app where like, dude, they built everything from scratch. Like, like the amount of work they did was astounding. And uh, it, there was just a couple of things. Like I thought for sure it was a done deal and, and it for a while thrived and they ran up against a, their competition started to take a look at it. And when you start thinking your competition is huge publishers, you're that's, you know, they were hoping to fly under the radar a little bit longer, uh, but B also their titles were, they weren't Dr. Seuss. They were a new up and coming author, but to look at what they built and how the app worked and how their online presence works. They had page turning animations. They had, you know, you could point to a, a word and, you know, it, it would, it would have the, the definition. It would, it could read it out loud to you or you could read along with it. It was, and, and 18 year olds built it. So like, this is also a greatest missus story. Did it make money? Kind of for a while. Was it an unbelievably beautiful, I hope Brad goes and writes a book about it? Yes. It did that more than anything. Right. So, Don, we're going to we're gonna pivot again. I, I want to get focused back on uh, educational solutions here. So one of the one of the problems that we had talked about before, maybe maybe we talked about it, maybe I just you and I just talked about it separately. But uh, the student loan debt crisis is at one point six uh, trillion dollars now with the average person who owes money owing an average of $37,000, which is uh, which is a lot of money like this. And, and doctors owe in excess of $200,000. Lawyers owe in excess of $120,000. Like this is the kind of debt that sets, that sets young people back decades, if not an entire lifetime. This is the young people, my age and a little bit older are buying homes less often and they're having kids less often, even though they want to just as much as the previous generation. This is because in part due to the student loan debt, they have this extra gigantic burden on them that the previous generation did not have as much. Uh, one of the things that potential solutions that kind of came across my desk, somebody tagged me on LinkedIn in in a post one day of this article. Yeah. And you may have you may have seen it as well. I don't know how popular of a solution this is, but going to college is free. Now I know I, I know that the, um, this is not a socialist thing. Like like hear me out. <laughs> going to college is free, but the universities essentially invest in the students. I am so, gonna be so proud to tell you where this started. Okay. You know what you know what it is. I'll say it for the listener. Uh, it's, I don't know the exact percentage, but say like, okay, the university gets 10% of your salary once you graduate college for X amount of years. And, and in this way, I believe in theory, in theory, uh, there could be some holes in this, in this philosophy here in this solution. I don't know that I'm just not seeing that maybe you see. So in this way, it seems that universities would obviously be a lot more invested quite literally in the success of their students. I think this would be a very viable solution for the student debt crisis. Is this, is it a viable solution? And, and where did it come from, Don? Okay. So I'm not going to say that they thought of it. Matter of fact, they took some of the research done a long time ago, but they're, they have been the most notorious and the most talked about. And that is Purdue university, which is in my backyard. So go Hoosier state. Um, yeah, they're in Lafayette, Indiana, uh, West Lafayette, Indiana. And essentially, it's a service contract. And the way that Purdue has it is they take 12 and a half, I believe, percent of your income for the next two and a half years. So the good news is if you uh, if, if you're um, 
basically going to make a good income, they're going to make their money back and a little extra. If you barely make minimum wage, well, they're not going to select you to begin with. Therein lies part of the problem. Are they are they paying for... Uh, I'm not going to poop on anybody's major, but let's just say that underwater basket weaving is not something they're investing in, but electrical engineering and chemical engineering are. Uh, they're, they're a top five school for engineering. They're um, uh, Honestly, it's an amazing school. Um, so they these service contracts are, are exactly like you said. They have skin in the game. So of course they want their money back. They're not stupid. They pay, they pay for your college up front and they're like, all right, now, some people say, well, that's indebted servitude. Um, what's a college loan? <laughs> At least on a college loan that you can't get out of. Like, if you get a bad degree and you just get, like, nothing, like, it's, you're, it's stuck on you. With Purdue, and by the way, they did, they did a thing with Planet Money, and then my favorite podcast, other than yours, of course, is Freakonomics. They had, like, an hour plus with uh, Mitch Daniels, and, and they go into a deep thing here on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it like, hey, we're, we're putting skin in the game. Again, where it turns its ugly head, though, is who's getting offered these service contracts? Well, people that they know are going to be um, employable. That's the only downside to it. So yeah, I mean, that that's, I think that that is a partial solution. Um, it is good to see now, will that just, you know, will that drive another discussion of, okay, well then, if they're not willing to, I'll just, I'll, I'll pick on my own major, education, right? It's still an employable thing. There's, we're still going to hire teachers. Is Purdue going to be offering these service contracts to teachers? Probably not. Why? Because it's an ROI thing. You know, if if the average call, and I think that Purdue in-state is about $25,000 a year. Okay, it's $100,000 a debt. Therefore, them taking twelve percent of a starting teacher salary. Let's just let's just make that a nice forty thousand. Well, for a you know, <laughs> they're not going to get their money back completely. So um, by doing that, though, you really opened up a can of worms of like, okay, well then, which degrees are worth it? Well, if you do the ROI and you're just looking at ROI, well, that's a different topic altogether. So those are my feelings on it. I, I'm I'm proud that Purdue is uh, among the first universities to really embrace this and try this. I think more universities should. Um, but again, it's gonna it's gonna be probably only offered to the elite, uh, high bracket, you know, income bracket people. Um, but I think that's a conversation worth having. Of you know who's gonna make what and is it worth investing in? Twelve and a half percent of give or take whatever the number is that Purdue is using 12 and a half percent of a starting teacher's salary for two years, they're not exactly going to get their money back. But I, I would ask this, do universities like, okay, Purdue, do they need $25,000 per year? I mean, because as we know, I mean, tuition costs have, uh, gone up dramatically over the past 20 and 30 years. Is it necessary to charge that much or, or are they going to be just fine with a little bit less money? Well, I mean, this is uh, this is where I, as a free market capitalist, run into, okay, you know, it, like, do I think pro athletes make too much? No, because somebody pays the tickets. Hmm. And if people stop paying the tickets, then the ticket prices go down. So, Hey, like it's it's kind of weird because in some ways we're trying to make a straw man at Purdue and it's the wrong college and I'm kind of proud of this. They haven't raised in tuition in, I think eight years, and they could and they're actually their rankings keep going higher and higher. So their their reputation is stellar and they could charge more, but they don't. Uh, so a that's cool. B could they afford to lose a little? Yes, they could. However, again, being a person that like you know your job is to <laughs> your job is to make money. So, you know, if, if, even if you're a, pub, a public institution, you kind of have a fiduciary responsibility. Now, do you charge too much? Again, that's for the customer to decide. And, and I think that some colleges are shaking in their boots because some people on some majors have indeed said, yeah, the ROI is not there. So, um, yeah, I mean, they could, but why? The real question is, it makes you really start to open up that can of worms of like, okay, well then what's, what majors don't they support for these service contracts? Now there's something. Now you're like, well, then if they don't, 
you know, and I'm and I don't really want to make fun of any majors, but like the majors they're choosing are ones that they know they know that you're going to go in and make good money, and because they want their money back. Yeah, you're going to start to see them push uh, kids towards certain majors and maybe get rid of a lot of the uh, the majors that don't have an ROI. It, it, at all um i again will not uh, will not name names but you you see that happening like they're going to start pushing people in 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 different ways yeah potentially i, I mean or just not offer to everybody you know and, and they're not yet they're you know they're not now i think the bold move well, what, is do, certain, what do you mean what do you mean not offering it to everybody like, oh, oh only certain majors they're offering it to absolutely oh wow and oh, wow oh well it's, it's just like it's a lot like professional sports Purdue's not doing this to everybody. They're just doing the, they're selectively choosing people to like, hey, we A, see that there's a financial need and, you know, you, you qualify for this program and and B, your major is right. You know, I'm, I'm just going to use the straw man of underwater basket weaving major. So they wouldn't offer it to that major. And they wouldn't offer it to, as you mentioned, <laughs> education with right. the starting teachers. Salary. Right. And, and I'm not speaking for Purdue. They may have a couple people in their portfolio that are education majors. I don't know. Um, but I doubt it. Uh, in, in, in the interviews I've heard uh, from the university, it, it seems that way. That the, the anecdote, well, actually, the interviews they had with a couple of students, they were definitely engineering in engineering fields that were in high demand and, and good money. Um, but they seem to like it as well, too. They're like, hey, they want to make sure that we get good paying jobs for the next two and a half years. Uh, the interesting thing is they also had a cap, too. Like if you by chance just went in there and like your starting salary was $500,000, there's a cap on it. That, oh, that's good. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's impressive. I think it's cool. It is. I mean, it, it's it's so funny because it made me think that uh, my, my younger brother was deciding between Purdue and University of Colorado Boulder. He ended up not doing Purdue, but he would have been in engineering major at Purdue, which I assume probably be eligible for that 12.5% investing in him, perhaps. So as we move towards this freelance gig economy that you talk about, well, what's the number that it's going to, what, what's the percentage, uh, what are the numbers yeah. that, you, that you talk about there? With the I mean, there, there's some people that, you know, it, it's argued anywhere between 40 and 50%, but 40 and 50% will like of, of, of jobs will be, uh, will be freelance. Okay. Which is, is a pretty encompassing number, but it's also one of those things that you could also have a, a full-time job and a gig job. But uh, you know, my brother-in-law being in Los Angeles, like I have to say the majority in the, his last 10 years, he's mostly been short-term contract work in the technology field. Uh, but that, but that also includes Uber drivers, uh, shift workers, things of this nature. Well, as we move towards that economy, then what do you predict will be the majors with the highest ROI in the in in ten years from now? Not not the ones right now, but what what, what changes do you think we're going to see? Engineering, I, and 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 it's funny because it's not going to be that much of a that's not going to be much of a shift. Uh, now, the people that are in the gig economy, the the majors that have that, I'd say those are probably going to be like uh, probably the entrepreneurial marketing majors. You know, yeah. I like uh, because a lot of times those people know, and I'm going to drop my terminology, and they know how to seek and peek. They know how to seek opportunities. If you if you're an entrepreneurial major or a marketing major, you are constantly seeking opportunities. But doing that, you also start looking and you start collaborating with other seekers. Seekers become peekers. I mean, you and I have jammed out before and we're like we start talking about things that are up and coming. You 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 bring three or four people into a mix and all of a sudden we're like, "You know what we should invest in?" Because you're you're sharing information now, you can peek around the corner. You can almost look into the future. Marketing majors are good at doing that. Entrepreneurial majors are great at doing that. I always think with the entrepreneur major, entrepreneurship major, which, by the way, I've been both of these majors. <laughs> I, I was a I was a marketing major. Uh, I, it's funny. I took quite the journey. I was 
I was, I believe, finance, then, or no, it was accounting, then finance. That was early on. And then marketing for the last couple of years. And now, as of the last few days, it's been entrepreneurship. (laughs) But I'm just here for the piece of paper, right? So, however, I don't see an entrepreneurship major as something that like, like what's the point of going to school if you're going to be an entrepreneurship major? Would, would yeah. you argue like, should you go to school if you're going to be an entrepreneurship or should you, if you, if you're interested in being an entrepreneur, like what should you do? Well, it's ironic because this dilemma is my daughter and you know that. Yes. Ava. <laughs> it's, this is, this is her dilemma. Um, here's where and I'm just gonna, she's, you know, she won this battle. My wife won the battle. My wife's final take was, um, we started saving for her college account, her 529 account before she was born. We are financial planners to the max. And so Ava's like, I don't know if I want to go. And she's like, you know, why be an entrepreneur if the first investment you're going to take is debt? And Alicia was like, there's no debt. We got it. Between my, between my mom and dad, who are also financial planners, kind of, you know, and, and then Alicia and I like, we got it. We got it covered. So if all else fails, if you have it covered, college is the best time of your life. It's the time where you get to pl- play pretend that you're an adult, but not really. <laughs> it, you get to like, you get to socialize with people. But on the professional side, if you are broke, here's the thing that I shoot down. People are like, well, you could. You, that's where you get your network. Are you kidding? I, like, you don't need to uh, spend that kind of money and go there to build a network. Thank you. Or, or <laughs> as you know, the reason why Ava was in the position was because if you're a high schooler doing cool stuff, you're actually at an advantage. So that whole, what's well, how you build people and it's how you build your network and it's who you know, and that's how you do that. I'm like, no, if you're 16 and you're doing that in high school, you have an advantage. So don't give me the, that's how you build a network. You can do that without college. And the whole, yeah, like, again, if you, if you can't pay for it, it is a little bit, huh? But that's also why I'm trying to reach more high school students now. If the only reason they're going to college is because it's going to appease my parents, oh, by the way, they're not going to help me pay for it, and it's going to be me that's stuck in debt for years, may I introduce to you a new way of doing things, and that is hustling your ass off in junior and senior year of high school and then having options. And Ava had options. Right. Ava Ava could have ventured out on her own, and the network she has actually she had a little plan. It was interesting, but uh, my and and I think that my wife made the right call. You know, you're you're a kid once, go enjoy life. But we had it paid for. Um, I think the ultimate hack. Are you ready for this, Jordan? Yeah, I, think yeah, yeah. Ulti- I think the ultimate hack is doing this. Your buddies. Okay, let's just say Don Wetrick as a as a as a 19 year old. All right, if I traveled back in time and my parents. I, I think I know what's coming. I think we talked about it before. Continue yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> this is this is is this is if Chuck and Sue Wetrick had not paid for my college. Donnie Wetrick might have like literally lived in somebody else's dorm room or on campus. And while they went to class, I would have, I would have gone to the co-rec. I would have gone to some place where they had free Wi-Fi. I would have tried to build my business and I would have partied on the weekends. I could live the college experience. Cause when we talk about the college experience, a lot of it is not going to class, Jordan, you know that. So living on campus being buds with all, you know, kicking around the hacky sack and the quad during the afternoon while you also build your business. Hell yeah. The weekends are yours. You also get to be a young adult. So that's what I'd do. Big fan of that. And I also love what you say that you have, having options coming out of high school is a, is a big blessing. It's much different than coming out of high school and like, uh, and can and considering the same question is college right for me yet you have nothing going on and you haven't tried to do anything yet oh, then yeah. your almost your hand is almost forced like okay i, I mean i kind of have to go to college because i have nothing better to do right now and it could and and it, it like me and it could lead you down a a path where you're 2 years in and it's like what did i just do <laughs> cuz i didn't have anything going on after high school I, like i Wish I did. And at the same time, though, I am very fortunate enough, very similar situ- situation where with with Ava, like my parents are great savers, very diligent in putting away 
uh, X amount of dollars for all three children. And so for me, it was paid for. And so college was paid for. And so I'm just sitting here and experimenting, doing, putting things out into the market and having a good old time out here. It's, it's, if I was the one paying these tuition dollars, yeah, I would have dropped out after that first year, maybe, maybe after a, a half, a, a year and a half maximum, but I wouldn't be here because all of the things that that I learned and I, you know, being a marketing major, like I love, love, love marketing. However, it's not what I'm learning in school. We're learning things that worked in the nineties. Oh. Talked about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Co- these cookie cutter courses we talked about it last time. I, I mean, I love marketing I, and I, it's one of my favorite things to learn and I do it all the time outside of school. And I, I'd, I'd say, I'd like to think I'm a pretty good marketer, at least above average. Mm-hmm. And I love learning the principles and then going out and doing and experimenting and seeing what works, what doesn't, seeing what people like and what people don't like. And that's been, that's been my playground. And that's been the way that I've learned, not from the marketing in school. I mean, heck, Don, I go into intro to marketing every semester and teach LinkedIn marketing and <laughs> how to land the job, get, uh, make more money and, uh, or, or, and grow your business, something along those lines. I forget what I call it with LinkedIn and the teacher brings me in and, and, and people, it's great. People love it. And like they're, and, and the students are afterwards sit, uh, waiting to shake my hand. <laughs> that doesn't happen with the teacher. They didn't fall asleep in the lecture. Right. Right, 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 right. However, I always, I, I've been starting to think recently, like, you know what, Jordan? You talk crap on on lecturing all the time. Yet you go in there and you give a fifty five minute lecture. That's a little bit hypocritical. Well, what's a better way, Don, in in a college classroom? I know there's a lot of doing and experimenting in your high school class. Is that transferable to the college classroom? Can yeah. what, what would the ideal college classroom like be doing? Oh, if in- I if I were Jordan in that situation, everybody get out your laptops. Okay. Here's you know, here's what like okay, here's what a decent profile looks like, and you know what does it say about you? Where are you going? Professionalism, blah blah blah. He's like, okay, here's a list of five people, or you know, like here's a here's a starter list of people you need to follow right now. Okay, go get that out of the way. All right, now write down where you want to go. What kind of job? What kind of dream job would you want? Who would you just literally? sell your spleen for to work for great research five people that work at that company at the city that you like and reach out to them go figure them out right now send a little small message tell them about your aspirations and then you know and then your secondary follower kind of people like you know be strategic about your followers do a little research so i mean after you did a little bit of lecture yeah i'd like get out your damn laptops where's your profile picture what does it say about you is it braggadocious and asshole-like? Well, then don't do that. Is it humble and I'm wanting to grow? Great. Does your it, does your profile picture include a you know a, a duck face selfie? No. Okay, great. Does your profile say something about your favorite sports team? Dumb. Wrong place to do that. You know, it's like, are you flexing your abs? Wrong place. Uh, okay. Here's you know here's ten people that I like that I think you'd like too. Great. Send them a DM right now. You know, I, I'd assign like, like, Hey, by, you know, this is a Monday class by next Wednesday, have 25 DM sent. When we get back on Wednesday, I want to hear you who you got back with. And if they took the time to, you know, send you a message, please carefully craft a message back to them, expressing your gratitude, stuff like that. This Don is how you build a world-class network in record time. Well, we had a contest. We had got, I actually, it's funny. This is exactly how we got Tim Ferriss to call our class. Th- this right here, it was a contest. And then oh, so, and so you one of, had a lot of people reaching out to him. So, well, okay. This is one of the coolest things ever. Cause I had a girl that was really, really, really smooth. And so she's like, well, who's on your list, Wetrick? Cause here we were reaching out to people, which by the way, this year it was Ninja and he got back within 10 minutes and, and like, they were freaking out because like we got video calls from Ninja and, they just thought that was the coolest thing ever. Who but, the heck is Ninja? <laughs> what am I missing? I'm missing out. Oh boy. He's well, it's funny how it, he's the professional Fortnite player that is the hugest thing. He, he broke the internet when he and Drake played Fortnite. 
Drake. It, it, oh, the Drake. And the they Drake. played Fortnite. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ninja is huge. But um, this particular year, they're like, you know, who would be on your list? And I'm like, oh, Tim Ferriss. Like his show, but I'm like, you know, a little bit harder to get a hold of. And so I had like that class had like 25 students. So I had 25 students reach out to him. Nothing. So, you know, we're in every other day class. So like it was like a Tuesday. So on Thursday, <clears throat> this girl says, uh, I got an idea. I'm like, what's that? And she's like, okay, send a message that says, hey, at T. Ferris." you're disappointing all of my students and they're really bummed out. Now take a picture of us and we're going to like really pout our lips and look sad. And it worked. <laughs> it worked. Oh <laughs> like, a couple minutes later, he, he responds back. Ha ha. Okay. I give up. <clears throat> when do you want me to call? And I'm like today. And he says busy today. What about Wednesday? And so, yeah, it's, you know, we, well, like, cause in, cause in our previous messages, Hey, this class looks up to you. We're starting to take a look at, you know, how you've grown things. Ironically enough in his book, he went and visited a college class and he said they were relatively clueless on how to build a network. And he's like, okay, reward for the most famous person, get back with you. And they're like, they didn't even try. And so I, I like, literally he was kind of the inspiration on how I'm like, great. You have, you have today, like literally in my renovation class, I gave them like two solid work days of curating and, and having a good LinkedIn. And I was like, okay, you know, here's the, here's the top 10 people I think you should follow, which ironically enough, most of them got back like, I, and credit where credit is due. Like JT literally wrote all of them. I think I had like a 98 students and he wrote all 98 back. Oh my God. Because that's only him. Right. <laughs> um, but, but no, I mean, it was like, you know, I, these are the people I like. Okay. Who, who would you want to work for? Oh, I'd want to work for Rockstar Games. Okay. Where are they? Well, I was going to take a little research. After a while, they're like, oh, I found a, a, a software engineer that's been there for five years. Great. Send in a request. Put a message in. I would, I would cut off my left arm and to work for you. You, you, you know, I want to be you when I grow up. Who doesn't, who isn't flattered by that? And so, some, not all of my students would do that. And lo and behold, most adults are flattered. Most adults who think that kids suck see a 17-year-old that goes, I want to be you, man. I want to collaborate with you. It's all I want. It works. Yeah, I think the age provides a really good advantage. And I think that that's been a part of the reason that I've been able to connect with the people I've been able to yes, connect with. But it's the enthusiasm. And that's where you have it as well. It's right. the willingness. It's like just a high schooler, like, what's up? Give me a follow. Not working. Oh, I right, see right, right, that all the right, time. Right, like people yeah. in the comments, like, pr like praying for a follow. Like, who cares? Right. The other thing you said, though, earlier, it also made me realize when I said you have options, this is commonplace when you're a basketball player. What okay. So high school senior has options. Is he going to go straight to the pro or is he? Well, actually, now that there's a, a rule that they have to play one year in college, but yeah. for several years is like their options were. They can either, play overseas, I think. Right, right. Yeah. It's either Duke or NBA. And then their second year, or their first real year of college. Do they still go through and like, like, do they need the college degree or do they need the NBA? And I think that that's the way a lot of the entrepreneurs can look at this is that, hey, if you launch something and you're making $50,000 as a senior in high school, you have a decision to make. You know, do I, do I scale up my business and possibly go later? Because NBA guys get their college degree when they're in their 30s and 40s. Or do I like, hey, I've got all my college paid for. I guess I'll go now and have fun in the meantime. It's whatever. But you have options. Absolutely. I want you to know, Don, I think if you were running for president, I'd vote for you. I'm about to put you in a in a scenario here, okay? Because canceling student loan debt is not the answer. We're not going to get all political and good. That's all I needed. A nope. Just to, <laughs> what? So people that are stuck with the average of thirty seven thousand dollars. Some people much more than that. Some people maybe a little bit less. Like, what is uh, is is there any? hope yes oh there is okay, yes hope. so I, I i am this is a horrible thing of me to do um because you normally don't talk about another podcast on another person's podcast but for this specific area only uh there is a lot of really good financial independence podcast out there and some of these guys have 
tips and tricks and hacks. Or, or heck, how about this? Dave Ramsey, right? Living below your means and paying off debt as fast as you can and eating ramen, driving a car that is beneath you, you don't have to flex your watch and your nice fat whip. <laughs> you can, well, heck, my executive vice president, who I'm not going to brag on where he retired from at age 29, and the business he just sold, he drives a 2001 Subaru. Why? Because he found it as a good deal. I know what he can afford, and he's still looking out for the next great investment instead of, you know, making sure he looks good. So if you are drowning in debt, may I highly recommend you look into the financial independence community, learning how to maximize, learning how to decrease your tax liability through 403Bs or 401Ks or Roth IRAs, learning how to maximize your, your health, you know, your HSA benefits. These are things that I'm students of. I, I, I don't want to pay any more taxes than I'm legally obliged to, uh, obligated to. So um, be a student of that. The next time you're researching the, 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 the zone versus triangle offense and then why your team isn't winning and you spend three hours or five hours on what Trump said today that's going to trigger you, I get it. All those things you're passionate about, spend two hours learning how to save money, invest. Spend those two hours on how to avoid paying taxes legally. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be happier. I, so funny. You like what spending time trying to find like what triggers you and, and, and writing all this hate. And I'm not talking just Trump. I'm talking like just all sorts of negativity on social media, Twitter, of course, the cesspool of hate and misery more so than any other platform. You ever notice how most often this is the case, successful people don't do that. Yeah. They don't, they don't yeah. have, right. They don't have for, time for everybody that's out there. A negative review. Right. And, for everybody out there that's in a fight between who's better, Kobe or Jordan. I've never seen Jordan or Kobe craft a really long Facebook post. Oh, oh my God. That's, a, that's the best I've ever heard. I love that. Right. Say, say no more. Say no right. more. I think it's funny. Like even a couple weeks ago, like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning post for a photo and like, we've always been friends. We don't really care what you guys think. <laughs> We're too well, successful and happy to really, really get into these petty arguments. So Yeah. Well, Don, you, you, you talk, we talk about this and we talk about like having a, a flex in your watch and your fat whip on social media. And it's more so common with young people, of course. And these are the dangers of social media. However, you argue that social media is not dangerous for kids if you teach them how to use yeah. that. And you, li you yeah. liken it to a car, I believe. Explain that. Well, a car is the most dangerous thing you possess. Period. So we train 15-year-olds how to use a car. Smart, right? Social media is really dangerous. It can ruin your life in a keystroke. So train people how to not ruin their lives. Because, and, and, and reinforce it. Like it should be a class. Like yes. and, and in a lot of classes, like a lot of high schools, they have like digital citizenship and it's a list of all the things you can't do. You know, like don't take a picture of your junk and send it. Everybody knows that. Brett Favre taught us that, right? Wait, we, what happened there? I missed it. I'm uh, out of pop culture. Oh, dude, uh, that was several years ago. Like, what I'm, happened? I'm oh, he got in a little <laughs> trouble, and you know, uh, yeah. I I could have given a more recent reference, but yeah, like, do, like <laughs> we all know the do, like the don'ts, but you should also teach the do's. Like, you know, don't you know go on a racist rant on Twitter? Okay, done. But that'd be bad, right? Or don't you know take a picture of your anyway we all know the things you shouldn't do for the all the right reasons you're like that's dumb but also you know showing them like what we just talked about if you're 16 and you want to start building a network because you're professional then keep it professional you're not gonna and that's one thing i was proud of with my class is that i told them if you treat yourself like a professional online so will other people they'll think that you're a big deal if you treat yourself like a big deal Honestly, Jordan is one of the first things I noticed when I think, I think Ava, you know, had like, dad, 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 check this guy out mm -hmm. before you reached out to me. And I'm like, oh, snap, a kid's got it going on. 
I mean, everything you did looked professional. You treated yourself like a professional. Your podcast, your follow-up emails. I mean, it was great. So I don't see you as a 20-something. I see you as Jordan Paris, the brand. So you don't, you can be 17. Teach kids how to use social media like Jordan does, like Ava mm. does, like mm. Jeremy Miller does. Yes. These, these are the people that like we should be emulating and not just a class of what you shouldn't do. Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much. More so Jeremy and Ava though. They're, they're just so sh- like on the straight and narrow in a good way. Whereas like I sometimes get when someone has the negative uh, comment on one of my posts, I've been getting, I'm, I'm very proud with how good I've been getting at this, but I, I, up until two months ago, I was pretty bad. I would, I would get fired up and shoot some smart ass response right back. And now my mindset is like, okay, if I run for president in a hypothetical <laughs> scenario yeah, in yeah. 30, 40 years, would I want this trail to be left? Like, what is the trail I'm leaving here? Like, do I want to leave a trail of, of, mm. of messages firing back? And like, you, like imagine like compiling them all in a screenshot, like one screenshot, I'll, with that layout Instagram app that you just like combine all the photos in a collage of like, of like five of my comments and and you could still do it. You could still do it because they're, they're out there from the past. I like, I wish I would have, I wish I would have had the education, but totally my fault. Uh, I, I totally get what you're saying, Don. I think this is all really valuable stuff for the listeners. And I mean, whether they're, going to thinking about being students, whether they are or going to college, whether they are in college or whether they are parents. I think this is really valuable and enlightening for everybody as, as uh, talking with you always is, I always enjoy it. You're one of my, I, I, I'd have to, uh, I'd have to take some time to construct an official power rankings, but you're one of my top three people to favorite people to talk to on the podcast. (laughs) It's it's, yeah, it's really great. Uh, I I mean, I'm trying to think who else will be up there. Maybe Ron Malhotra. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we'll construct the power rankings later, but Don people can find you at startedupfoundation.org, Correct. Uh Yep. And startedupinnovation.com, futurereadyu.com. Your Mm -hmm. podcast, Started Up Podcast, is fantastic. Again, recommend the episode with Gary Vaynerchuk. And your book, Pure Genius, is where? On Amazon. It's so funny, Don. People like, I get, I'm sure you still get this too. Like, where can I get your book? Where can you find every book on the face of the planet? (laughs) Yeah. I, I I have I have lucked out. I mean, I'm on BarnesandNoble.com too, but I'm I'm, what? I'm yeah oh yeah, and I'm in some Barnes and Noble. Like actually, it freaked Grant out. I, my son is ten, and we went to Barnes and Noble, and I forget where, and he's all of a sudden, he's dad. Oh my gosh! It's like <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so dad's a little bit cool. It's funny. Like it had probably sat there for two years. I don't know, but like it is so funny that I think that it's cool. It's there because I sell well on Amazon and probably not in physical stores, but. It's still cool. Goals. I'm going to have to take a peek around next time I'm in Barnes and Noble. Well, Don, I, again, acknowledge and and thank you. Like I said, one of my favorite people to talk to. And uh, listeners won't know this, but we had to go through some (laughs) quite the bit of technical difficulties with my computer breaking midway through our last interview or, 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 or the first half of this episode and so this is a couple of days later that we're finishing the other half of it and so i thank you for being flexible and uh yes just and and for sharing your message of education i mean when i say you're my education superhero i really mean it i have these superheroes in every area of my life like of course with communication vanessa van edwards and so on uh and with education i mean no no one else but you so thank you don appreciate it man always always here to help so my final question, if you could teach a course at a university, I know you're a high school teacher. Oh, this is going to get weird. You were, it's going to get weird. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Last time I nixed th- this final question, I did not ask you it. I asked you, like, if you had... I'm going if you had to a, love answering this question. I will. I, I will ask it. But I, I asked you instead, because you were a teacher, if you had 60 seconds in front of a uh, in, in front of a university president, and, you know, what would you ask them to consider? And, and you nailed it. However, I'm going to ask the final question now. If you could teach a course at a university course of your creation or otherwise what would it be we've talked about so yep. many no no it is going to surprise you it's not going to have to do anything with marketing or social media it would be called social commentary through south park oh <laughs> explain that one does it need an explanation i, I think that those I, first by the way I, I i have a white whale of two guys i want to interview and it's trey and matt right um i think south park is genius and they have put a mirror up to america and uh, through satire and get and they get away with it. They like the, people have tried to get them off the air so many times that people just don't even try anymore. They are hysterical. They are crass. They are rude. And it's everything the university system needs to take on. It's not safe space triggers. A matter of fact, they've been made the last three seasons with PC principal and they're talking about the education system and they, everybody has their safe space. It's kind of funny because that's what satire does. It causes a dialogue that makes you go, okay, maybe we've gone a little bit too far or maybe we haven't gone far enough. That's the whole point. If you could have a social commentary through South Park class, I think it would be wonderful. <laughs> that's one of the most interesting answers I've heard to that question. I seriously was going to, I hands to God. Uh, I was, I've been thinking about putting together that proposal and going to a college and, and saying, may I teach this class, please sign me up, come to FGCU and make it happen in the spring semester. Don Wetrick, you are the man. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jordan. There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of the Growth Mindset University podcast. Now, if you enjoyed this one today, there are a couple of ways that you can give back. The first is, of course, to leave an honest rating and review in Apple Podcasts or iTunes. You can also take a screenshot of this and share it out on your Instagram story and tag me at j underscore Paris underscore and tag our guest as well. And we will absolutely give you some love. And then of course, if you want to start your own podcast, a podcast like this or any other podcast that you envision, you can go to jordanparis.com slash PU to get free access to podcast university. All right. I love you all so very much. And until next time, my friends, make every day count Live to learn and grow to give.